Episode 7 of Season 1 of New York Undercover is entitled Tasha and premiered on Thursday, October 27th, 1994. The episode description reads, When a baby dies, Torres and Williams discover there's more to the story than people say. Torres' sister asks him to investigate their friend's missing son. The episode is directed by Jace Alexander and written by Reggie Rock Bythewood. Now, the cold open begins somewhat frenetically and is set to the sounds of public enemies. 911 is a joke. Now, while this is the first time we have heard a public enemy song in the cold open, it is the second time we have heard a song by the rap group on the show. You may recall Give It Up was played in the season one, episode five, episode entitled Garbage. 911 is a joke was released by Def Jam and Columbia in 1990 on the group's third album, Fear of a Black Planet. And the song is performed solely by Flava Flav. The song also became the group's second rap chart hit after Fight the. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Rose, and welcome to New York Undercover Rewind, the podcast that discusses all things related to the television series New York Undercover. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us. And check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at NYUndercoverTV. In the cold open, we see a young couple moving about their home frantically. The man is on the phone while the woman, played by Regina King, is cradling what appears to be a baby in her arms. It's pretty evident that they are trying to reach 911, but to no avail. The man runs out into the street and flags down a taxi driver who transports the parents and baby to the hospital. Now we get a glimpse of the baby's face in the car. This baby looks a bit older than the baby Regina King's character was holding in the home. But, you know, Guys, we're less than three minutes into this podcast, and I'll save my quibbling for a little bit later. The parents arrive at the hospital, and a couple races to the emergency room with their child. Again, the baby's face is covered. The baby is taken by a black doctor and white nurse, while the young couple waits anxiously in the waiting room. We see a white male doctor go into the room and look on as the black doctor in the room has a grim look on his face and places a sheet over the child's body. He pushes past the white doctor and leaves the room and sees the young couple. He tells the couple the bad news and the enraged father of the dead child puts his hands around the black doctor's neck and pushes him to the ground. End of scene. Fade to black. Act 1 opens with some light banter between JC and Eddie, which is interrupted by the mother and handcuffed father of the dead child being brought into the station house, and their yelling attracting the, the detective's attention. Regina King's character, Mara, tells the detectives that their daughter, Tasha, was under the age of one and that doctors at St. Christopher's Hospital killed her. Eddie reads the father Ray's prior arrest record. Now, Ray, played by Lawrence Adisa, counters that he hasn't robbed anyone in a few years since Mara was pregnant. Mara mentions that her sister is friends with Chantal and met JC when they threw a party for G. The couple claims that they and the asthmatic Tasha got shoddy treatment from the hospital staff because they are a young black couple. They claim they asked for a white doctor instead of a black one and that the hospital staff did a poor job of treating Tasha and she should not have died. Torres and Williams present their case to Lieutenant Cooper, whose eye rolling in this scene is at an all time. Williams thinks that nobody cares about this case, while Cooper contends that if the couple is right, it is malpractice, not homicide. Williams and Cooper go back and forth, while Torres backs Williams and says that the couple, ages 18 and 19, need answers pretty soon. 
Cooper has a change of heart and tells them that if they investigate the assault, maybe they can get some answers. The following scene finds the detectives interviewing the white doctor, Dr. Parker, who argues that he, the black doctor, Dr. Ross, and the white nurse, Warner, were like hell to save the baby and that the couple offended the hospital staff and were way out of line. The detectives then interview Nurse Warner, played by three-time Emmy winner Margot Martindale. You know her face from The Americans on FX and The Good Wife, amongst many, many other roles. Warner pretends not to know if anything happened that may have provoked the assault and rudely says she can't remember anything. The next visit is to Dr. Ross, the black doctor, played by Ray Anthony Thomas. He is the black doctor who says he won't be pressing any charges against the dad and that he feels sorry for the couple. The detectives urge him to tell the truth, but to no avail. Eddie heads to Brooklyn with his sister, Teresa, played by Nancy Ticketton. They visit Teresa's friends who need help locating their missing son, Joey. Eddie asks for a photo and license plate number to get the ball rolling. Meanwhile, back at the hospital, Drs. Ross and Parker have a tense conversation in Parker's office, where Ross urges Parker to set things right and says, If you won't, I will, that people trust and depend on you. He slaps Parker's hand away and in the next scene, attempts to call Torres and Williams to no avail. JC and Chantal meet at the Brooklyn Promenade. Now, since Chantal is a nurse, JC asks her a few questions about what may have happened in the emergency room and the type of dosage Tasha may have received. Those not familiar who are listening, the Brooklyn Promenade is a pedestrian walkway that has great views of lower Manhattan especially of the Twin Towers, which is featured prominently in the background of the sea. You also have great views of the Brooklyn Bridge and the East River. And the promenade actually sits above the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, which is better known as the Now set to Jeru, the damages come clean. The following scene finds Dr. Ross returning home and getting knocked over the head as he opens his apartment door. He is then drugged with a syringe to the arm as we fade to black. End of scene. Quick fact about Come Clean. The song was released in 1993 on J. Rude and Damage's debut album, The Sun Rises in the East. And in 2022, the album was listed among the 200 greatest rap albums of all time by Rolling Stone magazine. Act 2 opens with Dr. Ross dead and the detectives on the scene. Medical examiner Wong says there is nothing in the syringe, but Ross had a bruise on his head. Meanwhile, Torres has a lead on Joey. Joey is played by veteran actor Kirk Acevedo, who you may know as Miguel Alvarez from Oz on HBO. He also starred on Fringe, and he started a number of other TV series. In fact, this is actually the first of Acevedo's three appearances on the series, and in each appearance, he actually plays a different role. Torres confronts Joey outside a pawn shop and starts giving him static about pawning jewelry and going to a crack house. Now, Joey's not trying to hear it and tries to move away from Torres, who blocks him. Joey takes a swing at Torres, and they wrestle to the ground, and Torres arrests him. Uh, bad move. They'll think this is what Sister Teresa had in mind when she asked him to find Joey. He returns to the station house with Joey sent into holding. Now, J.C. clowns him for trying to talk sense into a crackhead at a crack house and Tells Torres to stop trying to act like a Puerto Rican Rambo. Now, 
back to the homicide. JC gets a call from the lab that says there are no fingerprints on the syringe that was used to kill Dr. Ross, meaning it wasn't a suicide. They go to chat with Regina King's Mara in hopes of finding her partner, Ray. They tell her about Ross's murder. She says Ray likes to go for walks and is innocent and is not trying to be a gangster anymore. The next scene is a montage of the detectives and Old School and Ricciarelli following Mara to Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan as she reunites with Ray. Their reunion is short-lived, however, after the older detectives bust Mara and Ray makes a run for it through the terminal with Williams and Torres in hot pursuit. Williams finally tackles Ray on the platform of the Metro North train. Back at the precinct, Ray insists that even though he followed Dr. Morris and knew where he lived and even thought about smoking him, he's not the one who killed him. Cooper is not convinced and says he has motive and even threatened an assault in Morris earlier. Cooper tells Williams she needs to talk to Torres alone. Uh-oh. He mentions to Torres that Joey's parents called her, complaining about Torres' rough treatment, says she was shocked to hear about what has happened. Cooper tells her, I'm sick of catching heat every time you decide to screw things up. Now, you're a good cop, Torres, but if you ever sneak around my back again, you're going to be a good cop on an unemployment line. Ouch. She ends the scene by saying that if the parents decide to file a formal complaint, it could get ugly. Torres slams his hands down on the table in disbelief. Now, before we continue with the recap, it's time for a trivia question. Actress Regina King guest stars as Mara in this episode starred in these two 1995 theatrical films. Can you name them? The answer coming up at the end of this episode. Act 3 begins with Eddie arguing on the phone with his sister Teresa about Joey and her telling him he hasn't changed. To get his mind off of the Joey situation, he and JC decide to interview some of Ross's neighbors. An elderly neighbor says he saw Ross with a white dude had as a duh. An elderly neighbor says he saw Ross with a white dude. Trace it back to the white doctor, Dr. Parker. Parker again says he has nothing to do with Ross's death. Nurse Warner tells the detectives that they overdosed the baby, but Parker changed the chart to make it seem like a cardiac arrest. She also tells him Parker was on cocaine in Jack Daniels, what she likes to call Kojak, and was likely under the influence, which was then confirmed by the bartender at the bar he frequented. Parker and his lawyer denied the detective's murder allegations and say he never killed anybody. Fate to Black. The final act opens with Torres and Williams interviewing a young girl who witnessed Parker leaving Ross's apartment building in his bends right before 9 p.m. on the night of the murder. She also confirms Ross was still alive when Parker drove off. Back at the precinct, Mara begs JC and tells him how good of a person Ray is and how he tried to support the family. Ray is in the box and JC is interrogating him, telling him that he knows he killed Dr. Ross. Says that Ray went from being a drug dealer to being an honest person who worked two jobs for his family, only for Tasha to die anyway. He knows that Ray couldn't catch a break. Williams and Torres both tell him that he killed an innocent person and that Parker admitted to overdosing Tasha. Ross was innocent all along. Which shocks Ray. 
detectives and Cooper leave the interrogation room, and even though Ray is guilty of Ross's murder, they feel there is no justice for Dasha's death. They, however, Lieutenant Cooper comes up with a plan. Old School does a stakeout at the bar that Parker frequents. After a few drinks, he gets a page on his beeper for him to return to the hospital, but is surprised to learn it was a ruse and finds Torres and Williams there, ready for him to take a breathalyzer test, which he fails, and he is then arrested. Later, at Natalie's, Eddie is sitting at the bar listening to Billy Paul sing, Me and Mrs. Jones. Teresa arrives at the bar and apologizes to Eddie and says she should have trusted him with his handling of Joey. She tells him the family has decided to drop the charges against him. And they hold hands as we fade to black. I give this episode an A-. Uh, key locations highlighted in this episode include Grand Central Terminal and the Brooklyn Promenade. Uh, you know, the only quibble I mentioned at the top of the episode was the size of the baby, Tasha. She seemed to change sizes depending on the scenes and based on whether you could see or not see her face. However, this episode is really powerful. Uh, you know, it did a great job of highlighting the health inequalities that exist with black and brown patients in terms of medical care, you know, and the young couple's attempts to do right by their daughter being thwarted by inept medical care. And it does a good job of balancing the, you know, the crime of the week with Torres's personal family situation and him, you know, being a little overzealous in his handling of Joey, but, you know, finding resolution with his sister, Teresa, at the end. Now, a quick note about Billy Paul. Me and Mrs. Jones was released in 1972 by Philadelphia International and was Paul's only number one single on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, before we go, let's go back to the trivia question. Actress Regina King starred in two films that were theatrically released in 1995. What were the two films? The answer is Friday, which was directed by F. Gary Gray, and Higher Learning, which was directed by John Singleton. Now, King has gone on to have a prolific film and television career, both in front and behind the camera. She won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for If Beale Street Could Talk. And she has also won four Primetime Emmy Awards, two for American Crime, one for the Netflix series Seven Seconds, and one for the HBO series Watchmen. She is also a in-demand director whose credits include Scandal, This Is Us, and the feature film One Night in Miami. And of course, many of us remember King as a child actor on the 1980 sitcom 227, where she starred opposite Marla Gibbs as Randa Jenkins. Folks, that's our time for this show. I'm Chris Rose. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us. And as always, please send me an email with your thoughts on the podcast to New York Undercover Rewind at gmail.com. And check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at NY Undercover TV. Pod out. <laughs>